Hello to everyone tuning into the Highly Optimized Podcast today. My name is Ryan Sprague, and throughout this podcast, I will be showcasing conscious leaders who are living a life beat of their own drum, sharing their stories, and revealing their valuable information for you listeners on how you can effectively take life into your own control, what steps to take to create your own path, and how to maximize your ability to lead and manifest your dreams in this reality. Now, when it comes to the idea of business, I have come to recognize that the people that are truly successful within this realm frame business as a game and an adventure. As such, these individuals find ways to not only keep business fun, but also excel in finding ways to quote unquote hack the game, if you will, both through marketing and in many cases, helping others learn how to automate their businesses to allow for less on their plates. If there is one thing I have learned in business, it is that tips and tools like the ones I mentioned previously are invaluable if you wish to be able to have time left in your day to spend with family, dive into your hobbies, and be able to smell the roses of life while living life on your own terms as an entrepreneur. Today's guest on the show is an absolute juggernaut in the realms of business, including how to delegate using virtual assistants, generating and monetizing content, as well as guiding entrepreneurs into how to create a soul life balance within their lives. He is a serial entrepreneur and author, has hosted five podcasts, hosts a food show on YouTube, was named to Silicon Valley's 40 under 40 list at the age of just 31, and is an avid lover of all things spiritual, extraterrestrial, and multidimensional, among many other topics that he is passionate about within his experience of life as well. For all of you higher achievers out there that are curious how to find more fulfillment in life, this episode is sure to spark your inspiration and allow you to see that not only is it possible, but it can be much easier of a process than I imagined you had thought it could be up until now. So please help me in welcoming my man, Sam Cabert, onto the show. Sam, my man, what is up? Ryan, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a long time, somewhat of a, a time coming. So uh, thank <laughs> yes. you for having me. I'm stoked to riff with you. Yes, man. And, you know, it's so funny, man. You know, I've I've been able to, with these podcasts, get in touch with so many people. And sometimes messages get lost in the Instagram algorithm and all these kinds of things. And, you know, you were someone that when I had found your message again, I was like, oh my God, Sam is someone I definitely want to have on here. And so I was so excited that, you know, you were able to make time uh, in your busy schedule to come on and do these shows because, you know, like I was saying before we hit record, we have so many shared interests, you know, and passions, both within the business side, which like I'm getting into now. And the spiritual side, which I've been in longer and you're getting into now. So it's like we flip-flopped in a way, oh, right? Yeah. Where, you know, it's like a hilarious thing. And so I'm really stoked to dive into all of these things. And, you know, of course, in the intro, I went over quite a bit of the different aspects of your life. But what I'd love to ask you is, you know, as an intro question is like, what got you first interested in more of these materialistic things, business and things like that? Because I know now you've been able to integrate spirituality and these types of things. But what immediately got you interested in that at a young age? Dude, that's such a good question. And actually, it wasn't at a young age. You know, I had no ambition, I would say, uh, as a child and as a mm. kid, and even through high school and everything. In high school, I was actually a stoner, you know, and <laughs> that was like the label back then, at least, right? Pothead, mm-hmm. stoner, whatever, metalhead. Um, and Same. very, yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, wait to the metal part. Yep. I uh, oh. I say a lot of the time that um you know I'm a recovering gothic kid from high school you know Jeez, and I was so funny. <laughs> Do you know a guy named uh, Mark that runs the uh, My Family Thinks I'm Crazy that podcast? No, but I'll have to check it out. 
Yeah, he, him and I were talking the other day and he was saying, I think we'd be best friends in high school. And so it sounds like I found another person that would be my best friend in high school with you. <laughs> well, what instruments do you guys play? So uh, I'm not sure about Mark, but I play guitar and uh, was into, you know, death metal and really into thrash metal. So Pantera, you know, uh, Metallica, yeah. you know, Amorphous, uh, In Flames, all of that stuff. So yeah, oh, man. In I, Flames brings yeah. me back. Dude. Dude, I so I've grown my hair out now, but I usually have short hair. And mm. in in high school, I had long hair, like probably maybe not as long as yours. Yours is long, <laughs> but um, yeah, Black Label Society was my jam. Oh, Pantera, yes. yeah, very much into Mudvayne. Not, yes. um, I was kind of into like the new metal stuff, Disturbed too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I just got back into metal in January, and I'm gonna be 34. Um, so it was about 15 years, like around, I graduated high school in 2006 and went to college and I stopped listening to metal when I went to college, you know, uh, to just bring this back away from the metal story. But high school was a time of when I knew I felt like I was a fuck up, you mm. know, and everything was going wrong. Um, and I was just very angry and a lot of things. And, you know, I didn't know, I didn't have the tools because we're not taught the tools, how to deal with it. And I remember my first ayahuasca ceremony in 2019, it brought me back to email address. One of the things, obviously not the only thing, but <laughs> one of the things it brought me back to was an email address I had in, I don't know, either early high school or junior high. I think it was like maybe freshman or sophomore year of high school. And it was sickening society. 22 at gmail.com. And I just explored the number 22 recently on master another podcast. Number. I think, yeah, well, that's what the master builder number in numerology, I believe. Oh man, I can't wait to have you on my podcast and talk about mystery schools and on pick yeah. your brain and all that. Like, I'm that's a deep dive that I, I definitely am feeling called to go down at some point for sure. Yeah, so I didn't know that it's the master builder number you're saying. Yeah, from what I understand, it's the number that, you know, if you're if you're seeing it, and, and again, like, I think all of these things are up to some sort of interpretation. But what I choose to believe around it is when I see 22, it means like, keep going, you're building mm-hmm. in the right direction, you're following the breadcrumb trails, right? You're getting like these positive synchronicities that are telling you like, you're on the right path and these kind of things. And so it's so fascinating, man. I love getting into this kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. So what I was going to say is like, um, th- and, you know, when I was a kid, maybe like elementary school or whatever, basketball was my sport. And I would always like do the whole creative player and, you know, custom team and the whole thing, the draft. And my creative player would always be number 22 and he would be 22 years old. And the funny thing is I kind of like ended up even looking like that player a little bit you know <laughs> that i was designing at a young age i loved in your intro when you talked about like business and looking at it from a game and whatnot but anyways um yeah so 22 was my basketball number it was also like the this thing where i was a really young kid and i was um i, I don't have a lot of childhood memories but i feel like mm-hmm. i was like angry you know mm-hmm. and um i just wanted to be 22 years old like mm-hmm. i just wanted to grow up and it felt like oh man like i just want to be adult already and <laughs> i don't have a lot of childhood memories but my dad tells me all the time like before i got into spirituality and everything that i used to throw temper tantrums and be like you're not my real dad jim carrey's my real dad i'm from the <laughs> plant zotar like all this stuff 
Um, so it's really been like kind of like a, a remembering the spiritual journey. Mm-hmm. But I bring that in to say like, why do I bring that? And that's a good question. So 22, I was telling you about the email address. So sickening society, this ayahuasca ceremony, it kind of brought me back to that. And it was like, oh, I saw everything for how it was, but I didn't have the tools to really like express myself and deal Mm -hmm. with it. So, you know, I just kind of turned to metal and being angry at the system. I remember Mm -hmm. like the system was like a big thing. And then this all came back uh, in 2019, just a few years ago. So like 13 years later, uh, this all came back and, you know, for the most part, I'd forgotten all about it. So the interesting thing that I explore in my book, Soul Life Balance, and that I just talked about on another podcast recently, which I haven't talked about that much, is I got my DUI, my first and last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to put that out there. First and last DUI at 22 years old. And that was the game changer. That, you know, I had joined a fraternity in college and we were top, top frat at a party school, Chico State. And, um, yeah, we, I lived above the most popular, popular bar in town, did like the whole frat star college uh, party thing. And it really the fraternity was like that structure that I needed to really get my life around, get back on track. And it afforded me so many opportunities for that. But then the DUI that happened when I was 22 years old gave me the chip on my shoulder right? Because I was, it was 4th of July in South Lake Tahoe. And short version is basically I got a DUI and then I came, we were all camping like 30 of us. And then I came back the next day and it was like maybe five and I don't know, it was early. And there's only a few people up around the campfire, you know, a friend of a friend and acquaintance pretty much said something about like, um, Oh, welcome to the club. And I was just like, disgusted disgusted by that comment i was like i don't want to be in this club mm-hmm. and i went around like the all the parties at the party school and just being like did a whole sober thing for a little bit not a long stretch but just trying to put myself in these social situations where like we're drinking every single day you know in mm-hmm. college at a party school and just not drinking going to the bar ordering a blue dolphin which at the time i didn't know dolphins from a spirit animal, but blue dolphins <laughs> code for water uh, bar, you mm. know? Um, so uh, the whole thing, and that's why I really got the chip on my shoulder and I got the idea for my first business, which really transitioned to my main business uh, through a rebrand, which is now Swagworks. And I've been operating that business for 11 years now, since I was 22, that's when it started. So it's just kind of funny. It's a, it's a really good question. And that's kind of how it started. I didn't have the ambition growing up. Um, my parents own a business together. Both of their fathers were entrepreneurs. And then my dad's grandfather, my great grandfather came to America from Lithuania and he was a painter. He had like a painting entrepreneurial business. So like, and I'm Jewish. So, you know, it's a stereotype that I in my genetic code. Um, but yeah, it's very much ingrained in the family. And when I went to Chico state, when I went to college, I actually did want to do business school. And my dad went to Chico. He was the one that really convinced me to go to a party school. My dad's cool. He ta- taught me how to chug water at a young age. So, uh, cause he knew it would be a life <laughs> skill I would need. Um, very cool dude. 
but yeah, he, he basically told me like, um, like you, you know, business, you know, business, just do recreation. You know, I did business at Chico. If they had recreation, I would have done that. And I was like, no, I want to do business. And I don't know business, but in a lot of ways he was right because growing up my parent, I grew up in a small town called Gilroy. It's 30 minutes South of, um, Silicon Valley. It's the garlic capital of the, of the world and it's a farm town. So we would, my brother and I would like go to the office over summer, di- just different things. And that's a far way to drive all the way out there from our home. So, you know, in those long car rides or maybe dinners or just over. Oh, wherever growing up as a kid, I would hear my parents talking about business. And I mean, I didn't realize that at the time, but I was learning, you know, that entire time. So I really did have the foundation, which he was right about. And that's kind of what got me onto the entrepreneurial path. Wow. That's so beautiful, man. I'm so glad I asked, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful journey to go between and and realize that like we really do have so many similarities man because you know i really didn't get start getting involved with wanting to really do anything in life um until i was around 22 23 you know for me it was right around 23 for me when you know i started going to music festivals and i started getting more into creativity and you know i started getting back into guitar because i took a you know about a year hiatus when i was like you know 19 to 20 and you know i started realizing that like a lot of things started clicking and very similar to you you know, when I was younger, my parents, you know, are amazing. And like, similar to your parents, they always led me to just do what I wanted to do. And, you know, they never tried to push me into any one thing. But at the same time, you know, I started realizing that, you know, when I was working, you know, elementary jobs and things like this, I was realizing like, you know, I don't like any of this. And this all just seems stupid. Like I literally worked at a Staples, man. And I like (laughs) anytime it's become a whole saying in my life now where, Whenever I'm around something that just doesn't fire me up, I'm like, this 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 smells like office supplies, right? Because I'll never forget the smell of a Staples. Even to this day, if I have to yeah. walk in there to get pens or something, it's just one of those things that irks me out, right? Like the smell of office supplies and paper and khakis, like that kind of stuff is like my ultimate worst nightmare. And so it's funny you mentioned that because we definitely share that similarity, man. And it's fascinating because, you know, once I started to actually realize like, okay, Soft talk acknowledged, maybe I'm not meant to do, you know, the things that other people find interesting, right? As soon as I started to question that, and cannabis was a big part of this as well, helping me to question everything and go, why, why should I do what everyone else is doing? Why, why might I, you know, want to do different things and these types of, uh, you know, realizations, you know, I was able to start going, okay, well, I really love cannabis. And so at that point, uh, California was really the only place that was really like up and coming for like Oaksterdam and, you know, dispensaries. But yet at that point, medical was being legalized in, in, uh, Boston and it was on the ballot anyway. And so I was in school for psychology, but I decided, all right, you know what? I don't want to wear khakis the rest of my life. So I want to get into something that's going to allow me to have some freedom. And so I decided to go into cannabis and all of my friends at that time were like, this is stupid. What are you going to do when it doesn't pass? You know, and all this stuff. And I'm like, don't put that juju on me, Ricky Bobby. You know, I'm like, it's going to pass. Right. right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and so it ended up passing. I ended up getting into the industry and, you know, from there, you know, was cultivating at the same time and really started to like pave my own path. And I see that with you too, right? Like you just decided mm-hmm. to create your own path. Right. And I always think about it like a path in the woods, right? Like if you're like 
Well, there's the lake, and this is the path, but it's going to take me 40 minutes. But if I just go straight through here, I might get a couple thorns in me, but I'm going to make it there in 10 minutes. Like, I'm going to take that path every time, and it seems like you would too. And, uh, mm. you know, what I found is that there are a lot of people that feel this way. And, and you know, it's not the right way or the wrong way. It's just our way, right? It's the way that feels most conducive to our well-being. And, you know, I'm curious for you, like, at what point in your journey did you realize, like, I want more out of this, like, you know, and essentially what I'm getting to is like spirituality, you know, metaphysics, all of these types of things. Like at what point did you realize like, Hey, I've gone after these material things. I've got onto the Silicon Valley list. I'm successful in business, but something's missing. What was that point? You realized something was missing. Yeah, it's a great question. You know, and my whole life, I've always felt like spiritual Mm -hmm. and I remember as a young kid coming home from Sunday school and my dad was working on his lawnmower and I said to my dad, dad, if God created us, then who created God? You know? And he just looked at me and was like, that's the age old question. You know, I was dissatisfied and I had very much been my story of like thinking about that. Like, okay, if God, if we're being told that God created us, does that actually make sense? Like who, who created this dude, you Mm. know? Um, So from a young age, I would think about that and that would come back and I remember my brother, talk, older brother, would talk about like Buddhism a little bit. Not that he got into it, but um, neither of us really were that tied to organized religion or Judaism. We both felt strongly in terms of being connected to the culture of Judaism, but not necessarily the religion. And I had my bar mitzvah and the whole thing, but never really like resonated with it. I've always loved the story of Passover and time this recording is just Passover and like the story of Moses and everything. But anyways, yeah, you know, throughout my life, I've had different experiences. Um, I worked at Harley Davidson dealership when I was in high school as like detailing motorcycles. I remember going to like a party with the older, like the adults, you know, I was just (laughs) in high school and I had this really trippy psychedelic experience and this has happened several times where i thought i was smoking weed and i don't know (laughs) what i was smoking to be honest but i had like i had like looking back i was like oh yeah that makes sense why i experienced but i would try to explain it to people and i just couldn't you know it was just weird and then um i loved mushrooms um Mm. didn't do them a ton in high school but did them enough got went through a little mushroom phase in college and I had at least one really profound experience, but all of it to say, like, you know, I had these experiences and even the show Entourage, you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Like Val Kilmer had a role where he was like the shaman dude, you know, and I always like resonated with that Mm -hmm. and like the yogis and all that, like I always resonated with that. I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, and and just like when I'd see it in pop culture or whatever, but that's cool. But there was nothing I was into. And when I got the DUI and started my business, I straight up had blinders on. You know, I was like all business, everything. I moved my, I started my business in San Diego for a variety of reasons, but I moved it back up to Chico. And then after that, I moved back to Silicon Valley and operating in San Diego was like, six months. Chico was probably like six months. And then being in Silicon Valley was the bulk of the time. That was from 2012 to 2019. I mean, Mm. hindsight, it was only seven years. It felt like a lifetime, (laughs) you know, but as we get older, you know, we're still young, but Mm. like 
that 2012 to 2019 was absolutely miserable. You know, the mm. whole thing, I, I try not to say the word hate, um, these days I'll say strongly dislike, but you yeah. know, I really strongly like severely disliked living in Silicon Valley. And I just felt it was soul sucking. I didn't really know that term at the time, mm. but it felt soul sucking and just so many things about it. Like I remember talking with my dad and maybe a few close friends, but like how it didn't make sense that like in the prime of my life in my twenties and everything, I was like so miserable in living in a place that I didn't want to be, but I just was like, all right, I'm going to put my time in now. Right. And I was able to buy my house in 2014 in a town called Campbell in Silicon Valley. And dog scratching the back. And I told myself, <laughs> I'm going to be here for three to five years. I'm going to be here for three to five years. Then I'm going to move to Santa Cruz, a beach town, which is about an hour away. And then from there, I might live there a couple of years or whatever, and I'll figure it out from there. But I'm not going to do more than five years in this house. Like, mm. So that was kind of the thing. And then I started dating this girl and um, she was a cheerleader for the San Francisco 49ers, my favorite football team. I was also connected with the Niners front office um, through my podcast and things like that. So we would get field access and then there she would be like cheering on, you know, the field and seeing NFL players and be like, whoa, like the, I cracked the code. Like, you know, yeah. like this is big, right? You know? Um, and just like living life. And I was like, okay, I, I can get used to this. This is cool. Um, like uh, I'm, I'm down with this. This isn't so bad, you know? And we, the relationship was on off the entire four years. It was the most toxic relationship I've mm. ever been in. And then, yeah, it came to a head in 2019 where we broke up and the, we both just knew it was like, this was like the final breakup, you know, mm -hmm. and this one was real because when you break up, like as many times as we did, you know, <laughs> it's more like petty little arguments and not talking to each other for like two days. And, and then, you know, the makeup sex and all the things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, that was a numbing depression. Um, it was actually mercury retrograde too. And I had mm. first, that was the first time I had heard of mercury retrograde, um, and it was just an interesting time in my life. It was very numbing. And I was also prospecting on LinkedIn for my company Swagworks and for people sell swag to corporate clients. Mm -hmm. And this woman somehow came in my search who probably shouldn't have shown up in my search. I think she was a realtor, um, which realtors don't buy a lot of swag, but you know, she got <laughs> one of my emails, um, and she responded back to me being like, oh, you seem spiritual, like uh, uh, blah, 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 whatever. Or no, I think she, whatever. We got on a call mm -hmm. and on the call, she ended up pitching me versus me pitching her. And she was <laughs> pitching me to go to her cacao ceremony. And I'm like, cacao ceremony? What the hell is cacao? And you know, like <laughs> raw form of chocolate, like ceremony. What is ceremony? Huh? And I'm like, healing? Oh, well, that sounds interesting you know yeah um so i invited my friend and we went and you know the first time anyone goes in like a ceremony setting where you've never like been in a ceremony it very much feels like kind of culty and mm -hmm. not 
safe, you know, because um, yeah. <laughs> it's just like this things you like hear about of Colts. So it's just mm-hmm. like, what is this? And <laughs> it, you know, the experience was cool. It was very different, but um, my friend actually asked the facilitator about ayahuasca because she said she was going to do ayahuasca in a week or two. So we drove together on the ride home. I was like, Hey, you're going to do ayahuasca and you weren't going to tell me because I just (laughs) heard about ayahuasca like eight months previously. Mm. Um, so that's when, you know, I first heard the call and when I first, I could get into that story, but without getting into the details, basically ayahuasca came into my field and time things seemed to be good. And I was like, that sounds really interesting. And I feel like I'm going to do that one day in my life, but Mm. that sounds scary as shit. And I (laughs) have no interest in that. So, and when my friend said she was doing it now, this is the second person in my life I've heard of talking about it. So I was like, huh, okay, maybe. And then, um, she did it absolutely transformed her life. And I talked with her about it. Then I emailed the facilitators and sat my first ayahuasca ceremony like two or three weeks later. And, you know, like once that's taking the red pill. So you don't go back after that. Right. You know. What is up, everybody? I hope you were all enjoying the show. And I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you, while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now, you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build-out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, They were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, .com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever. It's amazing, man. You know what I always say is once Pandora's box is open, it's extremely hard to try to close it again, you know, and that's Exactly. exactly what it's been for me too. And you know, with all different plant medicines and a lot of different things. But, you know, one of the funny things I noticed was you said you lived in a town called Campbell and that was my grandmother's maiden name was Campbell. And then you mentioned the 49ers and uh, one of the guys who worked at the dispensary I worked at out in Boston, uh, he was on, uh, I believe either the 49ers or the Chargers, one or the other, but um, it made me think of it. He was, he was in Cali. I forget. I'm, I'm terrible with sports, but 
I was always yeah. more into music and things like that, but he was on one of them. And so that was a funny synchronicity too, man. And you know, it's interesting, you know, very similar things. I had a very uh, toxic relationship for a couple of years, right around uh, when I was 19 to like 23, um, off and on. We were actually, I don't think ever really official, but it was like the person I was with, put it that way. And uh, and I, I really thank that person because you know, she allowed me to really start being like, what do I, what do I really want? Like, this is not healthy for me. Why do I want this? Like, why am I, why am I continuing to believe this is the type of love I deserve? Because I was raised in a household where, you know, my parents loved me. They always showered me with affection. So I was like, where did I learn this from? And that started another whole realm of curiosity. And of course, you know, uh, right around that same time, I was starting to get into mushrooms and other psychedelics. And, you know, you know, when you're, I think for me, it was around 23 when I started experimenting with things other than cannabis. And so I remember, you know, you take some mushrooms, you're like, wow, that was interesting. And then you're, you know, your friends are like, let's, let's do more next time. And then you do more. And there's like one time where you're like, well, I don't know what just happened. Uh, that felt like 10 minutes, but that was definitely like four hours. And, you know, like coming out of it every once in a while, looking around the room. And I was luckily with, you know, childhood friends. I've always been really close to my childhood buddies. And, you know, we were all like, just like out of it. I mean, just looking at each other, like, is that even you? Like, is this me? Like it one of those experiences, you know, and once right. I had my first one of those, man, you know, that opened up a rabbit hole where I started to get very curious, but at the same time, um, I wasn't taking initiative on my life. And, you know, this is right around the time my dad got diagnosed with cancer and all this stuff started happening. And so, you know, I played the role of the victim for a little while. Why is this all happening to me? Right. And rather than seeing it, it's like, why is this happening for me? And what's the lesson I can learn here? And, you know, it's really fun to think back to those times because, you know, for a long time, and I imagine you felt the same way too, when you're going through these challenging things or living in Silicon Valley, you're like, man, you know, what, what is going on here? What did I do to deserve this? These types of things. Right. But now we can look back and go, oh, I'm so glad that happened because it taught me so much. And now those are some of the experiences that I'm able to relate to other people so much so through, right? When I'm coaching clients or even on podcasts, right? With you, for instance, right now, where like, you know, those times really allowed me to realize like, okay, well now I definitely know what I don't want. So now it's time to start asking myself, what do I, what do I want? And I think those are so fascinating because, you know, it's those times in our lives where we realize what we don't want, that we really get to understand that, Hey, life, no one's going to come save me, right? Like I'm my own best cheerleader. And if I want to really break through and have the experience of life that I know I deserve, then I'm going to have to work for it. Right. And rather than say, have to work for it, realize that I get to work for it. Right. Like this is an adventure, like I was saying in the intro, right. Like getting to see it as an adventure. And, you know, I'm curious for you, like when, after you did ayahuasca, right. Like what was the biggest change you noticed right off the bat? Because I know like mm. with plant medicines, a lot of stuff obviously takes a long time to integrate. I mean, I think I'm still integrating every journey I've ever had in some way, shape or form, but normally there's like something I can attach onto as an anchor that I'm yeah. like, Oh, this feels different. And so like, I'm curious for you, like what was the first big noticeable difference you, you were aware of? Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds so cliche. Um, mm. And I'll preface this by saying these things have never been said really around me in my field of awareness, at least in my conscious awareness um, mm. at the time. And now I hear it all the time. So I'm like, well, that's <laughs> not really profound. But the first is um, th what really came through in that first night was the statement surrender resistance creates pain 
which mm. you know that is something we hear all the time yep. it, you know and like maybe not those those exact words in that order but like we hear that all the time so it's kind of like maybe the imposter syndrome deflating or whatever to say that but at the same time i'm like hey that's my truth and that's what came through and that also makes sense then why everyone's talking about it and we all have to come to really that gnosis of uh, uh, realizing it and experiencing it for ourselves versus mm. just being a parrot and repeating something so you know um that was one thing then the other is at the end of the night, I just remember saying to myself over and over, go, over and over again in my head, it's so simple. It's so simple. It's so simple. And now, like, I've never heard anyone say that before because I wasn't in this, like, you know, field. And now, not all the time, but you often hear people say after after a medicine ceremony, it's so simple. And so mm. to me, it's kind of like really interesting how the consciousness, the collective consciousness, right? Like um, all comes back to similar type of things, but those were the two things like, and I also like my integration was through the roof. It was just absolutely amazing. And I also had a note on my phone called life truths and a different one called daily doses mm -hmm. and life truths was like from my journaling of ayahuasca and just different downloads i got things like uh, you know resistance creates pain you know things mm -hmm. like that um kind of to your point of the victim mentality and so different things i would start the morning off and read every morning and then life truths was just a gathering of quotes that I put together that I would also read every morning or whenever I wasn't feeling my best. And I did that for, I did that for at least three to five months. Um, and I, I'm not saying every day, but like, you know, most days that type of thing. And then somewhere along the years, you know, that note is buried in my phone. Um, I, dug it up through the writing of my book recently and i have it pinned at the top and i, re I revisit it from time to time but you know things like that were really powerful for me in my integration and then in terms of the 3d and like uh the masculine archetypal energy i moved to santa cruz i started a new business um you know no longer was dating that girl joined fit for service. Um, there was other things too, but like massive, massive transformation. And just looking at where I'm now, where I am now uh, in 2022 in May, when I did ayahuasca in April of 2019 for the first time, you know, just so much has changed. Oh, it's so beautiful, man. And you brought up a couple of good things that I took notes on. The first one is I'm obsessed right now, like full on obsessed with this idea of knowing versus realizing. And mm, you right. perfectly stated what that is and what I, what I, you know, uh, surmise that to be, which is, you know, because we're so left brained as a society and because especially in Western cultures, we've been going to school and, you know, pretty much knowing was just like, can I get the answer on a test? Right. And if I do, then good. I'm, I'm a good student. I know things. Right. But what we miss out on there is the direct experience of things. And it's like, you know, try explaining what ayahuasca or mushrooms is like to someone who's never done them, right? It's like, there's a certain point where you can, you can start to talk about the sensations, but like, there's a certain point where you're like, you just got to try it yourself if you're interested, right? Like, there's no way you can really describe that because it is an experience. And I think that like, that is a realization. And what I say for that is like, you're making it real for the eye in the equation. And I think that, 
you know, there's, there's so much intellect and, and, and for everyone listening to this, like I think I said this the other day in a podcast, but it's so worth repeating is that most of us are intellectually geniuses, but in terms of experience, we're rookies. And this is where I was mm-hmm. right for a long time. That's why I started loving going to music festivals because you want to talk about like, what is going to happen here? Who knows? Right. You just got to surrender and go into it. And you mentioned the term surrender as well. And, you know, I talk about this a lot in the program because it's part of um, the process I guide people through for how to create a conscious relationship with cannabis. And I've gotten the feedback from people just hearing it like, oh, I don't know if you should use that term. That's kind of charged and trigger people. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why I use it. Right. Because (laughs) what I want people to do is immediately go, oh, I don't like that. And then it gives me the opportunity to be able to actually ask them, like, why don't you like this term? Right. What does it mean to you? And what I've realized is that at least in my own case, the reason that I was so scared, right, and scared in quotes of surrender was because I wasn't making intentions. And so therefore, how was I about to let my hands off the wheel if I didn't know where I was letting my hands off the wheel to go? And so when you're surrendering into infinite possibilities, yeah, it's scary. But if you know, like, your intention is, I want to unlock creativity in this experience or something. And then you're able to surrender. You're able to go, okay, whatever's getting shown to me, I'm going to view it through the context of being able to unlock creative potential. And at least that way you have an anchor because when you're interacting Mm -hmm. with plant medicines, you are disintegrating, right? And so you're leaving your normal lease on reality behind to go surf the cosmos, right? And so when you're in that experience and you're really far out, it helps to be able to have those anchors like, wait, what am I doing here? Why am I doing this? Oh yeah, creative. Okay, creativity. That's why I'm here. Hello, everybody. I hope you are all enjoying the show. I wanted to stop by and fill you in on our brand new, completely free to join Facebook community called the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle. I imagine many of you are aware of the newest creation within Highly Optimized, which is the Connect with Cannabis program. Alex and I are having so much fun empowering health and wellness professionals with the skill set of facilitating conscious cannabis and helping them up-level their facilitation practice that we wanted to create a space where anyone could join to ask questions, receive free information on how to work with cannabis and the way we teach in the program, and be able to gain clarity around how to get the best results with their clients in order to become financially independent in their health and wellness practice. To join, hop over to the link in our Instagram bio and send us a request. It is our intention to assist as many health and wellness professionals as possible in the important work they are doing in the world. And if you are looking to join a community of like-minded individuals just like you, who are passionate about helping their clients achieve the highest quality of life possible, the Highly Optimized Ceremony Circle is for you. I am looking forward to speaking with all of you in the group, and as always, enjoy the show. You mentioned the idea of simplicity, and this is the funny thing too, because I've come to that realization many times in uh, psychedelic journeys. And what I've realized is that when I come out of it, I'm like, what do you like? What did I mean? It was simple. I can remember the experience. I can remember like, yeah, it's like, I can remember the feeling, but I get it now. I'm like, okay, simple doesn't necessarily equal easy, but it is simple. And I think this is where intellect comes in because the reason that it's not necessarily easy is because the intellect, AKA the analytical mind makes it such a big thing. It's got to be this complicated process, right? And the simple part is that when you get past the analytical mind, it is simple, right? Like it's, it's really not that, that complex, but yet when that comes back online and it has all its programs and patterns there, that's like what I see the real work as is like, okay, how do I now integrate that PEAK experience I had into my analytical mind being able to like wrap its own head around it? 
and be able to put the mind back into the passenger seat, not in the driver's seat. And, you know, I had this experience one time specifically on a extremely high dose, accidental, uh, of course, <laughs> um, very high dose of LSD, where uh, a buddy of mine and I one night were looking to take a journey and we were accidentally, we just didn't really know what we were doing. We were very young and uh, we ended up taking just a very large dose of LSD in liquid form by accident. And uh, luckily I was in the right set and setting. You know, I was at his house and um, we ended up just staring at the stars all night and it was a beautiful experience. And what I realized in that was this idea of like simple, I was like, it's so simple. Why, when we get out of work on Fridays, is everyone not rushing to just sit under the stars and look at the sky at night, you know? And even when I think about it now, I remember it, but my analytical mind's like, nah, man, you got other stuff to do. You know, you got to do podcasts, you got to do these things and it's all fun. But what I've realized is that now I set aside time, not every week, but especially when it gets nice out in Boston, because, you know, we have a pretty brutal winter, but when it's nice out, I make time to put my hammock up and just like hang out, look at the stars and like really smell the roses of life, you know, which is why I mentioned in the intro, because it really is about smelling the roses. And you mentioned resistance too. And I love this saying uh, that what you resist persists. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's this idea of, you know, especially with regards to feelings, because, you know, one of the things I coach people on a lot is emotional intelligence and being able to, you know, dive into your feelings. And what I did for a long time was I would feel a feeling that I, you know, was undesirable, quote unquote, right. And I had this duality of what's good and what's bad and what emotions are good, which ones are bad. And I would try to do the opposite. So I'm feeling anxious. Oh, I got to pretend like I'm happy. And the more that you run away from it, the more it's going to persist and the more it's going to grow and be scarier and scarier versus you go, okay, I'm anxious. I'm going to sit into this. Right. And after a certain amount of time, that emotion will run its course and you'll be back to whatever emotion comes next. And there's a book that um, if you haven't read, I feel like you would love it, man. It's called Nothing in This Book is True, but it's exactly the way things are by, I believe, Mm. Bob Frizzell. Um, And it is just a powerhouse of a book. And it talks about everything from bases on Mars to Atlantis and Lemuria, all the way through to mindset and emotional healing and breath work. And it's like, wow, I really think it's like soul life balance. (laughs) (laughs) So like, I'm really excited to read your book because in looking into what your book is about, I attach to a lot of these things. And, you know, I've learned at this point in my life to not only tune into my emotions and be able to like see things above duality, above good and bad, but just it is here. It's neutral. And it's how I choose to look at it. That makes it the story that I tell myself about it. But I've also learned to follow the fun. And like currently what I'm super into, and I imagine this is something we'll nerd out on, is I'm super into like ancient Egypt, Lemuria, Atlantis, of course, the mystery schools. Like I am just so, so enamored by that. And one thing you mentioned too was with Entourage, the shaman guy, right? So my show was Blue Mountain State. Blue Mountain State had uh, like a shaman type guy as well. And I always identify with him. And they actually have a pretty funny uh, episode that has ayahuasca in it where uh thad drinks ayahuasca and and uh the the shaman guy forget his name he's like you drank that and he's like yeah what's going on and he starts packing up his kid he's like we all gotta get out of here and they board up all the windows and the last scene is thad like guys i think i can handle a couple of plants and then the next scene is him just vomiting (laughs) everywhere and then like hallucinating it's a really funny episode but it's cool man because yeah i noticed very like very big similarities between our journeys and what we've always been curious about and you know, of course, when I 
got into Paul check and started realizing like, oh, no wonder I felt the call to these things like a lot of other people do too. It was so powerful. And, you know, I'm curious for you, like, you know, for those listening that are starting to get to this point, right? They're starting to, maybe they're in business, maybe they're, you know, not in business yet, but they're curious, right? Like, what would be your advice, you know, and, and advice is a funny term, but your tips, I would say, right? Your tips from your own journey that you could tell someone that's starting to feel this feeling of like, maybe, quote unquote, maybe things aren't the way they are. Maybe I'm curious about these things. Like, where would you start if you could do it all over again? Put it that way. Mm. That You know, I'll answer that how you ended the question. If mm. you could do it all over again, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big believer in soul contracts and karma. Mm. And, you know, I'm interested in simulation theory, but it doesn't really resonate that it's all just technology and machines, yeah. but in the sense that it's like free will, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm really big fan of Dolores Cannon and Carolyn Mace. Carolyn Mace wrote the book, Sacred Contracts, which talks about soul contracts and to me, I think about like, we have free will to a certain extent. Like, you know, I have free will to pick up my phone that's in front of me and be distracted or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, or pick up this little thing I got, whatever, like little small choices. But in the sense of like our soul contracts and what we're here to work through with our karma, Mm -hmm. like I don't really, let me separate soul contracts and karma. I think the soul contracts we don't really have free will around those mm. are going to happen. And then I think the karma kind of comes in to play where it's, yes, we have the choice to do something and it's how we're going to play out that soul contract. And you kind of like what you talked about with um, your relationship and the uh, your ex-girlfriend when you're 19 and mm. 23 or something like that. And the mm. patterns, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so having said that, like I've always kind of, well, even before spiritual journey, like I don't really have regrets or like wouldn't do something a different way. And in a sense, that's a slippery slope because I think it's very important to talk about spiritually bypassing mm-hmm. because you know this, like so many people that get into spirituality and Luckily for me, I was in the out of balance masculine and the toxic masculinity of being a workaholic. So I'm very good in terms of structure and mm-hmm. like obligation and doing. So for me, it's been a journey of learning to be in my feminine and the flow mm. and the more yin and the soul, really. So having said that, I've seen so many people in spirituality that. they struggle in the masculine. Like they're trying to figure out habits, routines and things like that. And they end up just spiritually bypassing. Oh, all is perfect. All is love, like light and love, like blessings. Like, you know, (laughs) uh, everything just as it's supposed to be. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, that's true to a certain extent. And for sure, like I do believe that, but we can't, I don't think it's wise to live your life that way. So to Mm -hmm. kind of, close the loop on this question you asked um you know it's really the balance of what i talk about soul life balance and really soul life balance soul represents yin and Mm -hmm. the archetypal energy of the feminine and life represents yang and the archetypal energy of the masculine so if we can drop into awareness and we do these through the spiritual practices a Mm. spiritual practice isn't something we do like how uh, we wouldn't approach a spiritual practice in our masculine energy we wouldn't write a to-do list and be like oh i'm going to meditate i'm going to journal i'm going to read i'm going to do breath work i'm going to do <laughs> yoga check 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 
And then, oops, I didn't do, do this one. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I and shame myself for this, you know, mm -hmm. like it defeats the whole purpose. Yet so many people try to do it that way. So I think however you feel in the moment to do a quote unquote spiritual practice that's as easy as looking up in, in the stars, like how you mentioned it, which is such a good point. Those type of things drop us into awareness. And when we can connect with the things that drop us into awareness, we're able to check in and realize, oh, am I out of balance in my life? Am I out of balance with my soul? Am I leaning too much in the masculine or too much in the feminine? And then just coming back to yourself and realizing that there are, is no place to go. There's no thing to achieve. It's just all like conditioning and programming. And a lot of it's the, to keep us in a limited state and victim mentality. And honestly, when we are able to realize all of that, that's when we come back to our center and whatever you're working on, whether it's like going deeper in your spiritual path or going deeper in becoming a first time entrepreneur, just not losing yourself in it. You know, there's a chapter in my book where I, it's called um, to be in the matrix, but not of the matrix. And that's mm. what this is all about. We got, we're yes. here to play the game, but let's not get consumed by it. You know? Yes. I love that, man. You know, it's the concept that I go back to a lot. It's like, be in the game, but also realize that you are the player in the game and the creator of it at the same time, right? And going between those two allows you to remember your place in the universe. And, you know, I love diving into this because the same way you thought with, you know, simulation theory, you know, I think that's a very um, over masculine approach to it, right? That's why I love quantum physics because quantum mm -hmm. physics, I mean, when you really get into it and you start applying some of those principles to your own experience of life, and there's a fantastic book that has been changing my life recently called The Quantum Revelation by Paul Levy. If you haven't read it yet, check it out Ooh, for anyone Paul listening. Yeah. yeah, the guy that uh, wrote Dispelling Watiko, which is another whole aspect of what we're talking about. Oh, do you have it right there? Dude, yeah. I have his... I have his new book, whatever that's called. I haven't read it yet. You know, I'm I'm staying away from his content a little bit, um, mm. not because I'm like resisting it. <laughs> yeah. but I did a deep dive of Watiko last year. And as he talks about with Watiko, like, you know, when you go into it, like it starts to mirror out in quantum physics and all mm -hmm. that type of stuff. So I'm like, uh, I'm good right now. I'm not really feeling <laughs> called to in the Watiko stuff and it's not yeah. coming to me. So I'm not ignoring it. So for the listeners and for myself, it's called uh, the quantum revelation. revelation. Yeah. Revelation. Yep. Okay. And it basically it. what it is, is if you have a solid elementary understanding of quantum physics, and by that, I mean like a very basic understanding of it. Cause I, I don't honestly like, and he talks about this, that even the biggest quantum physicists realize like they say often, like we don't really get this at all. Right. Like that, I think that's the point of it is it's the branch of physics and therefore science that helps you realize it, it It humbles you in a way because it helps you realize like in order to wrap your head around this, you have to let go of everything from the Newtonian Cartesian way of living. And that's what I love because for people like you and I, who at an early age were realizing like nothing here really makes sense. What's going on for me. It's the not knowing that makes me feel secure in the world. Right. Because mm, the wow. whole time, I like the whole time I've been That's looking the art for, of surrender. Yeah, dude. And the whole yeah. time I've been here, I've been like, like, just like you, right? So they tell us that, yep, we have it figured out. God made us. What's well, like, well, who made God? Don't ask those questions. Right. And it's like, you know, yeah. that was like, 
what I always took solace in was, was actually the things that I didn't know. And the more that I thought I had to know things, the more pressure I was putting on myself. And I think for a lot of people listening, they'll mm-hmm. feel this too, you know, especially men, but women too, because they're very in it. They're living up until very recently in a masculine dominant society. And it's, we're still integrating out of that. And I think that what we're talking about with masculine energy too is, is actually not true divine masculine energy. And that term is, you know, thrown around a lot, divine masculine, divine feminine. But what I really think of it as is like the real divine masculine is like, you know, it's, it's what true masculinity is, which is balance, right? It understands and appreciates and loves the feminine and the version of masculinity that has taken over the world for the last, you know, thousand years or so in this age of quote unquote patriarchy, another term that's thrown around a lot. But what I see it as it's actually boy psychology and This is the thing that like, this is one of the biggest things that can change people's lives. And I imagine you're well aware of this. And I imagine for most people listening, you are too, but just when you really understand and not just know, but realize that just because someone is living in a body that might be 60 years old, that doesn't mean they're actually a man or actually a woman or like developed or evolved. And just because someone's a child that might be seven years old, doesn't mean that they don't actually remember their God. Right. And are able to be a man or a woman or any of these things. And so like, more of this not knowing, realizing that like, oh, nothing in life is actually able to be structured in the way that it's uh, objective, right? And Paul Levy talks about in his book how, you know, in society, a lot of us have this objective reality hangover, right? Where we're starting to realize through quantum physics that there is no objective reality, but yet we're still trying to live into that. The powers that be, if you will, which is another cliche term, but to kind of throw a, a certain context out there for it, like the powers that be that are trying to tell us like, no, this is what science is, right? Trust science, right? We've been hearing that a lot. And that's like essentially saying, trust the practice that questions everything, but trust yeah, it, don't yeah, question yeah. it, right? Uh-huh. And it's like, what a fucking paradox, yeah. right? Like you're telling me yeah. to trust something that literally its entire thing is questioning everything. And at the moment you stop questioning, it's not science anymore. Fascinating. I, I always go back to Pluto not being a planet because when I was growing <laughs> up, like it was for sure Pluto was a planet. And like yep. that's just such an easy example. At least that resonates with me. And I feel it, like it resonates with most people. It'd be like, okay, we heard like, you know, this dude, Charles Darwin. And I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's talking about and that he was wrong. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that, but there might be more to the human origin story than the story <laughs> that we've been clinging on to for hundreds of years. When just like all the time, to your point, we're questioning and finding new things. And, you know, we're all this stuff's made up, anyways. Mm-hmm. And then we latch on to it. And I heard recently, it might have been a Dolores Cannon old uh, clip or something, mm-hmm. but, um, it was like humans are the only species in the universe to make up something that doesn't exist. And they're talking about time, mm, you know? Yes. It's, <laughs> yeah. So anyways, I just want to add, throw that in there. No, it's, it's perfect, man. And yeah. actually it's funny because the chapter I'm on right now in quantum revelation is all about time. And so it's so, it's mm-hmm. so powerful because for anyone listening, you know, I get right. That because like, you know, this is a show I've been watching on Gaia called Galactic Messages. I highly recommend mm-hmm. it. It is like if you want to go way outside of the matrix and start diving down some deep rabbit holes, check that show out. You know, it, again, it's like it's supposedly uh, channeled messages from the Tigetans, which are an interstellar race. So I'm talking like, you know, you want to go out there, watch that show. But they talk about how there are these within this matrix, right? And we hear this term matrix a lot. Really, what matrix means is a set of agreed upon rules in the collective unconscious that allow us to play this game Mm -hmm. together. So time is one of them in the 3D reality, but also not everyone that's living on Earth right now is perfectly centered in a third dimensional reality, right? Like they are 
uh, we're evolving. We're doing spiritual work. We're going into the fourth dimension. We might even be going into the fifth dimension. And so when you get into those types of dimensions, time is different. It's not linear. And, you know, this is the idea of going from space time where it takes time to go through space, right? From one place to another, it takes time versus time space where like in quantum physics, two particles can be in the same place at the exact same time with no lag in time. Right. And so what does that mean? Right. Like, and so for anyone listening, an easy way to think about this is think about an average day working an eight hour job. Right. And think about time there. And then think about time on a first date, right? Are they the same? Do those eight hours go by in the same amount of time? Or do they seemingly go by in different amounts of time? And so that's what I mean when I say like, you know, this linear time thing is is not the same for everyone. And I know this very well because for my whole life, I've always been like someone who, when I was working at jobs, I would always think like, okay, I have this much time to drive to work. I should be there perfectly on time. I'd be a couple minutes out calibrated, right? I'd be uncalibrated to the sense of time. And so it's fascinating, man. And I love getting into this stuff. And this is going to lead perfectly into part two when we dive into this one time on psychedelics. And so I want to give you an opportunity to tell people where they can find you, where they can find your book, where they can find your podcast, where they can find all the amazing things you're doing, because you're doing so much, man. And you're such an inspiration. And, you know, to be able to be balanced in doing all that shows me. And I hope this comes through for all the listeners too, that you're not doing for the sense of doing you're doing from a place of being. And this is the idea of, you know, most people do to have to be and you're being to have to do right or being to do to have rather. And so your being is leading to your doing, which then leads to having things, having a book, having a podcast, having these things when most people are doing right. Okay. They're working this shitty job so they can be, you know, um, you know, uh, a success or something and then have the nice car, the, the house, whatever. Right. And no judgment, but what I've realized in my own journey is that that way of living just didn't lead to success. So I stopped doing it. And so I'd love uh, for you to be able to drop where people can find you, man, where they can find all the amazing stuff you're doing. Thank you, Ryan, for the kind words. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Game recognized Um, game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So what was I going to say? Oh yeah. My dad. So one of my dad's sayings is actually um, we work to live. We don't Mm. live to work. You know, and that's kind of similar to what you're saying. But all this to say, my number one place to find everything is just my name. It's samkabert.com. And at samkabert.com, you can find my book, Soul Life Balance. The, the direct link for the Soul Life Balance book is soullifebalancebook.com. Um, you can find my various podcasts. My main podcast is called Soul Seeker. We didn't talk about clone yourself, but since this is highly optimized, and mm. I figure you know quite a few people would be interested in learning about scaling and business and virtual assistants and building virtual teams, all that type of stuff, you can learn. There's this ton of free resources at <laughs> cloneyourselfuniversity.com. And you can find that link also at samkaber.com. But there at Clone Yourself, that's my podcast that teaches you how to build and scale a business with virtual assistants. The first 15 episodes are basically a free course. Like I sell mm. a course for $3,000, but this the first 15 episodes, if you just binge those are like 15 minutes long, you're basically getting a free course. So there's a ton of free content there. Um, and yeah, would love to connect with you guys. And thank you so much, Ryan, for having me on your show. Yeah, man. I'm so excited, man. And I want to have you back on because 
you know, again, like when I meet other people like you that are so into this, you know, spiritual world and stuff, I like to entwine business into it. But I do feel that, you know, first of all, Clone Yourself University is a gangster name, man. Uh, Kudos to you for coming up with that because that is really fucking cool. And, you know, for everyone listening, like, you know, we hired a team called Freedom Builders, uh, which is our sponsor to our podcast too, both podcasts that um, are doing very similar things, right? They're building out funnels, marketing strategy, everything like that, building out programs. And we found it to be the most valuable thing to be able to stay in our zone of power, which is me. I want a podcast. I want a coach. I want to, you know, interact with plant medicines, those kind of things, you know, so to be able to, you know, hack the time sequence, right? We talked about time to be able to hack that and outsource that, you know, delegation is a superpower. And the more you can get into that, the better off you're going to be. And so for everyone listening, definitely check out Clone Yourself University. And Sam, I got one last question for you, my man. And that question is this, if someone listening could only make one change to highly optimize their life. What would Sam Cabert suggest that change be? Yeah, uh, kind of what you just said, double down your strengths and outsource the the rest. You know, I get excited finding weaknesses and to kind of bring mm. this full circle from your intro, talking about like business is a game. You mm-hmm. know, I've actually looked at it as being a game to see how much I can get off my plate. I want to do as little as possible. And even the way I'm not going to get into this, but there's little productivity hacks like using Google Chrome and pinning the tabs and then, you know, pin, pinning tabs are like home base mm-hmm. and then all the bigger, thicker tabs. Like I'm done working once I exit all of those out and I try to only have three or four like bigger tabs that open at a time. So mm-hmm. it's all a game, but yeah, double down your strengths outsource the rest i love that man and okay guys when sam first reached out to me and i dove into his journey i was nothing short of amazed considering we have so many similar passions and a similar journey with regards to chasing materialistic goals and then recognizing we wanted more out of life i was eager to have the opportunity to get him on the show to share all the details of his journey with each of you sam is a true testament and reminder to how no matter where we are in our journey We can choose to reevaluate our lives and tap even deeper into our purpose when our soul calls for it. If we choose to buy the ticket and take the ride into the unknown, which in my experience is where all the true adventure in life takes place. For those of you looking to dive down the rabbit hole with Sam and the incredible work he is putting out into the world, make sure to check out the show notes where we will be listing all of the ways you can get in touch with him to begin unlocking deeper purpose in your life today. Sam, thank you so much for hanging out with the listeners and me on the show today, for being brave enough to follow your heart, and for doing the important work you are doing in the world. And until next time, my friend, journey well, be well, and much love over to you. Namaste. Namaste. What is up, everybody? I hope you are all enjoying the show, and I wanted to stop by real quick and share a little bit about our latest podcast sponsor, Freedom Builders. Now, Freedom Builders are a team of graphic designers, website creators, videographers, social media marketing experts, and coaches that build out your custom online business from A to Z. This is a done-for-you service, which means they do the work for you while you get to put your focus back on what you love most, which is coaching your clients and bringing in sales. Now, as a former online fitness coach, Mike knows where your struggle points are 
and exactly how to help you overcome them. This is why he created Freedom Builders, so that you can scale your business while protecting your time and your energy. Now you guys know that delegation is a business superpower, and you can activate this superpower today by scheduling a complimentary call with Mike at freedombuilders with a Z on the end.com so you can start building the freedom that allows you to take your business to the next level. Alex and I recently connected with Freedom Builders for our Connect with Cannabis build out, and we could not have been happier with the results. With Mike and his team, they were able to go through an outline and create a personalized program for our experience, develop our brand identity, build and design a custom branded webpage, professionally edit our program video content, custom design all of our slide presentations, automate our email marketing sequences, create a seamless payment system for our offer, design unique infographics for our social media content, and guide us through our proven launch blueprint to generate organic leads through our social media. So if you're a coach, facilitator, or healer listening to this ad right now, and you are looking to put freedom back into your life, once again, go to freedombuilders, with a Z on the end, dot com, and book your complimentary call today. I hope you all enjoy the rest of the show, and I'm wishing you the best day ever.